Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the Reasonable Dad podcast. My name is Rob Rosen. I'm the creator and executive producer of Reasonable Dad. And I'm Fatima Silva, criminal defense attorney and co-host of Reasonable Doubt. And I'm Detective Chris Anderson, retired homicide investigator and co-host of Reasonable Doubt. All right, we're going to talk about one of my favorite investigations of the uh, of this season. But I don't know, before we get to that, I feel like we've gotten into this whole mode where we have to do a little like, uh, I don't even know who hosts the show. I was going to say Regis and Kelly, but I think I'm dating myself. But isn't it oh, Ryan Seacrest wow. now? And there's been a few in between. Yeah, right. I don't even know who it is. It's it's Ryan. It's Ryan Seacrest. and Kelly. Oh, Ryan and Kelly. Okay. Yeah. How has your week been in lockdown, Fatima? Oh well, you know, <laughs> we're surviving. My my week is. I'm kind of like it's strange. Every day is a little different. Like you, sometimes you get emo. And you're just like, what is happening in the world? And you watch too much news and you get really sad. But then, I don't know, you hang out with your fam or you put on Netflix and you watch something. It takes you to, you know, a happier place. We had so, a good uh, long bonding conversation while you were taking a walk. Wasn't that this week? Oh, All yeah, All the weeks we much did. together. I think we talked for like <laughs> two know. hours. We did, huh? That was We talked fun. about life. We got deep. Well, it's funny because Luke never falls asleep in the stroller and I had to get him out and go for a walk. And then you and I talked so long that I looked down at him in the stroller and his head is totally, he's like hunched over, passed out. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> only Rob and Fatima could talk this child to sleep. <laughs> Chris, you've been there when uh, Fatima and I get on these uh, long discussions in the, in the road. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a lot yeah, of, so I, I agree, I, I agree. I just, oh, no, I agree I, to disagree on that. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, just, I, just, I just put myself into my own little zone when y'all go into your, your deep conversations because usually they start off pretty sane, but then sometimes sometimes they end up in a, in a place where I just don't even want to think about, like the conversation about, do you ever think about death? Uh, or, <laughs> do I ever just, not? 
Look, you're t- you got two people who are anxious about death in a pandemic. Like, what are we going to think about? I now? know that's the right? thing. This is a terrible combination for us. That's why when you're like, "Well, how's your week?" I'm like, "Well, it depends." Was it 2 a.m. when I was just laying there with my eyes open? Like, what's going to happen in four months from now, and then a year from now, and then all of a sudden I couldn't breathe. But then it's like, oh, you wake up tomorrow morning, and when you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, you know what? It's a new day. It's okay. But yeah, Chris, it's it's kind of funny considering you would, I don't know, for some reason, one may think that you like confrontation or, you know, based on your size or, um, you know, your authority that you're very opinionated and not like when, when Rob and I are going at it, you just kind of sit there and you're like, well, meh. Yeah. Well, Chris's uh, I mean, policy you know, is I'll say things once and that's it. He's not going to say right. it twice. I, I, we'll say it 20 I times. I I don't argue my point. I state my point and then that's it. I mean, if you can change my mind, change my mind. But if you say something that will change my mind, do it. But I don't I don't have to argue. I don't I mean, I feel the way I feel and that's it. I need that. I really I know I'm an attorney, so that's actually not a good trait for an attorney because we're we're (laughs) taught to just argue till you're blue in the face. But I need more of that like in personal life. Because like, Rob, even you and I, we've had, the other day we had the same argument we've had since we met each other, like four years ago. But we kind of enjoy years. it, don't we? I think that we both like know, to debate. Are we still trying, are we still hoping the other I person don't think we is finally going to come to like, oh, he's finally going to see what I see. Here's what it is for me. And may, I think it's the same thing for you. I like to argue a point, argue a point, and I'm kind of hoping that the other person can say something that will change it just a little bit. I don't expect to come over to your side. But I just want to hear like a little bit and I test it like, okay, this argument, this argument. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of like the way I think my thinking evolves. So I like that process. I think you do too. You're, you're kind of I do. It's actually funny because people always think like, oh, I told you, you don't have anything else to say. And, you know, you must be upset. And a lot of times I'm like, no, actually, that was super interesting. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm glad I just learned something else. You know, that's kind of how it is for me sometimes. Like, if it's not something I'm, super passionate about but i'm still arguing about it i just want you to kind of enlighten me a little more let's get to this case now um let me just do a little plug tuesday nights 10 o'clock investigation discovery reasonable doubt if you haven't watched it yet please please watch it um i promise you this is a very unique kind of true crime series not like anything else you've seen this investigation into tracy lee fortson it's so strange for me because to me, it was one of the most compelling investigations of the season and yet probably the most obvious one. And here's just a little bit of background to get you guys set. June 4th, 2000, Oglethorpe County, Georgia. 38-year-old Doug Benton, a welder and amateur bodybuilder, goes missing. June 19th, Doug's body is found on a farm 22 miles from home, wrapped in shower curtains, placed in a horse trough, and encased in 800 pounds of cement. Two days later, police arrest Doug's girlfriend, Tracy Lee Fortson. Cops are very familiar with her. She's one of their own. Tracy was the first female deputy sheriff in the county's history. 2001, Tracy stands trial. You've been charged with murder. Prosecutors argue Doug wanted to break up and Tracy was not having it. They say that while he napped, Tracy shot him in the head with a 22 rifle, stabbed him 10 times, and then disposed of his body. The jury accepts the state's account and convicts. 
Tracy Fortson is now fighting for her freedom while serving a life sentence. All right. So one of the first things um, when you first sat down and met with the loved ones, it was um, Joy, uh, her cousin and best friend growing up, and Sharon, her mom. Can you talk a little bit about just sort of your first impressions of sitting down with her family? Yeah, I, I fell in love with her mom. Um, she she just reminded me of of that old grandmama. She she just she loves her kids no matter what. You, you know, you can and I, and I, as we went along in the investigation, she just you know she just she she she's that type of grandmother that that you feel like they can do no wrong. I've got to ask, do you ever imagine Tracy being out of prison? All the time. I want to see my daughter walk out of that prison a free woman. I want to see her walk out through those gates and be able to go home to be with me and her daughter. Yeah, it's really hard when when we're dealing with a mom uh, loved one because I I just feel like I know they want some clarity and you know, we got to bring them peace, but really, is a mom really going to be able to let something go? I love her so much. I think about her all the time. And I pray all the time. I just ask God to just fix our broken family. Our family is broken without Tracy. And I, I just, it's, it's always harder for me with a mom, but you know, they know what they're doing when they ask us, when they ask us to do this show. And, and they're basically saying, look, whether it's for us or against us, we want to know the truth. And so you just hope that that can bring, um, you know, some peace or, or help a mom let go just a little bit so that she can live her own life. So one of the things in that very, uh, in that initial plea that they had that made me uh, that made me kind of think that possibly this case was going to go south. And I'm wondering if you guys were having the same thought is when Sharon and Joy were presenting basically a conspiracy theory, which in my opinion generally seems to be grasping at the last straw. And in this case, it was that because Tracy had filed a sexual harassment suit against the police department, that somehow there had been some sort of a conspiracy among the sheriff's department to frame her for a murder she did not commit. When you heard that, Chris, did you have the same reaction? Yeah, I absolutely did. Especially when you look at, you know, look, uh, uh, have, have I ever, I've never investigated a case where there has been, uh, you know, just provable facts about police, just this, this mass type of, uh, of, of conspiracy that police departments took to frame one person. I've never investigated a case like that. Do I think that they happen? Yeah, it's, it's possible. It's very possible. But when they, t when she talked about the, the, the way this conspiracy would have had to have transpired, it kind of just blew my mind. Fatima, even as a defense attorney, didn't it seem far-fetched to somehow suppose that a response to a sexual harassment- I take issue with this, even as a defense attorney. <laughs> I mean, of course, it's, look at, I mean, as def defense attorneys, yes, we fight tooth and nail. You know, we, we do everything we can, but we're not ridiculous. Come on. I mean- Usually. Of course it sounded. <laughs> Look, there are conspiracies. I, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes people, um, you know, they one little thing can go wrong and they may put the blame on somebody else. But if you're saying that um, 
it just so happened that, you know, the person who, who died, um, well, first of all, that the police department set somebody up to kill this guy because it was her significant other. And then went as far as stealing all the items in her garage uh, to set her up. I just think if you're going to go with the whole conspiracy thing, don't make it so ridiculous. Just make it as simple as, hey, it's an election year and they wanted a conviction or, you know, something like that. Uh, but when you start to get into, well, you know, they want, she had a sexual harassment and this, that, this upset them so much they went off and killed someone or somebody else killed that guy, but they looked at it as such an opportunity because, you know, she was the, the girlfriend. So, hey, this is just so happens. This is a girlfriend who's suing us. Let's go to her house and see what items we can use to bury him in to then set her up. I mean, when you say it, I think if right. the person was to say everything that would have to happen in order for that to be true, I think if they were to say that out loud to themselves or write it out, they'd go, hmm, all right. Now, Chris, um, your uh, test that you did was my favorite of the season. Um, <laughs> so what was really just to set it up a little bit, I thought it was a great lead when, um, when Sharon and Joy said, look, there's no way that a woman who weighs about 150 pounds, I mean, Tracy was in great shape, but um, Doug Benton, her boyfriend, who she was convicted of murdering, weighed 250 pounds. He was a bodybuilder. And somehow what the prosecutor said was that she dragged his body in shower curtains out of the house, put it into the back of a truck, into a trough, filled it up with 800 pounds of cement, drove off to a farm, and somehow was able to get that trough with the 800 pounds of cement off of the truck and leave it there to rot in the sunshine. So we put it to the test. And Chris, that, I thought that was an amazing experiment. That yeah, was, uh, that, yeah, that was absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, it, look, when she gave us that lead, I, I, I thought that, that there was some hope for Tracy. You know, look, I'm thinking 145 woman, 145 pound woman having to lift a 250 pound man at the dead weight man. That's hard. That's extremely hard. Uh, but, you know, after seeing our, our test and when we put the test together, you know, with the sandbags and, and, and inside of a uh, inside of wrapped in a, a cloth and, and shower curtains and all that other stuff we had it wrapped up in, you know, it was probably a little bit. It was even it should have been even harder for our 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 girl that we had to do it. And after she did it, it was hard for myself and the expert to to sit back and watch. But we did not help her at all. Yeah, during I that mean, entire sandbags because you can't grab arms or you know, mm -hmm. like I think if I was going to have a body, you don't have yeah. any way of getting any leverage. That and no. that's important when you're moving a body. So, so yeah, that just proves that you know. I think our test proves a lot. Yes, that Tracy could have done it, and that you know, you you. But one thing that you can't account for is the motivation of a woman that has to, she has to get rid of that body. She has adrenaline, to. Right? Uh -huh, the adrenaline, right? Adrenaline, yeah, 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 yeah. Things that you yeah. are capable of doing when you're just like, I, right. I have no choice. I gotta, I gotta get this done. You did right. a great segue there for me uh, by saying motive. And, you know, I think that like halfway through the investigation, it was a little bit hard to understand why this woman who had been a county sheriff um, would murder her boyfriend. I mean, what went on in that relationship that could have been so intense that it would lead to murder. Now, 
you spoke to the GBI agent who investigated the case, and he brought out a theory. And my question to you coming out of it is, you know, when police or prosecutors come up with theories like this, are they kind of just like coming up with something that they think might fit? Or is there really any kind of science at all behind it? So let me play the clip first. What was it that made Tracy Forster the lead suspect in this case? Well, I felt like she was the closest person to him. And several witnesses told us that it was a hostile relationship that they fought regular. So Ben, we have a woman here that has no real history of any violence. What does she have to gain? What's her motive behind all of it? I think he told her it was over. Most investigators, we have to understand the why. And that's what I talk to my kids about that, that I'm sorry, that my, my students that I teach, you know, and if you can answer all of the questions, the who's, what, why's, when's, where, and how, you know, you've got a pretty solid case. So I think sometimes as investigators, we, we, we have to answer that, that, that why question. So, and, and some of the, 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 the parts of that, the moving parts of that case, while they may not, we may not have evidence to prove it, you know, that we have to put it in place to where we can understand it. So, yeah, some of it is conjecture, I, I think. And, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you have to we have to understand. It. Well, and it's like, well, you know, help me help you, like get your story straight here. So you guys don't you know, you didn't have a tumultuous relationship. You're not fighting a lot, but you also now need a reason to not check on him for what? you know, however many days, right? So what do you do? Well, you create this story of, well, we, we, our relationship was fine, but it just so happens that around that day, we broke up. And then he comes up dead a few days later, you know, and, and that was another thing. Tracy, <laughs> Tracy during her statement said that they didn't fight that much, but they were fighting that day. She mentioned that during her statement. She did. She me. admitted that. And fighting yeah. enough to where you're gonna, he, he wants space and you're gonna give it to him. Now, Fatima, I I think um, you got a chance to talk to the uh, prosecution's star witness, who was a neighbor at the time, Lisa Watson, but she lived kind of far apart. It wasn't that close. And Lisa, after the fact, like a month later, came out and said that she had heard gunshots the day that Doug went missing. And Fatima, I don't know if you're going to appreciate this characterization, but I feel like I got just a little preview of what... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. It might be like um, if she had been up on the stand and you were cross-examining her uh, during the interview. So I just want to play a piece of it because I, I don't think her story held up very well once you got through with her. Between 3.30 and 7, anything unusual? I heard a gunshot. This is actually a photo I have of where you were living and then Doug's house right across the street. Is that pretty accurate? Yes. So you're saying from your house, you could hear a gunshot go off in Doug's house? Yes, when I'm standing outside, yes. Were you outside from 3.30 to 7? Yes, because that's when I do all my yard work. Because my partner tells me a 22 caliber rifle isn't that loud, that it's unlikely that you could hear it from your house. I'm sorry, but I did hear it. It's nowhere in the police reports. Why not? I thought he might have just been shooting the get rid of an animal or something. September of 2000, you write a statement. Here, you mentioned the gunshot. Why? I don't know. Yeah, um, very nice woman. Uh, she was extremely heartbroken, um, you know, for the victim and, and what happened to him. And I sympathized with her. I did. I think... I think she wanted to do the right thing, but this is this is the human error um, in in trials, and this is where it's dangerous because somebody's life is on the line, right? There, yes, you have a victim. Yes, you want justice, but um, you also want to be one hundred percent clear, accurate, and honest when it comes to putting somebody else, uh, you know, behind bars and paying the price for that. And I think that um, because this is months later naturally she may have thought what she heard was a gunshot. She, she could have said, I do remember hearing a sound around this time. I don't, you know, it sounded like a gunshot. It could have just also been a truck or, you know, something. Um, and 
maybe that was the gunshot and suddenly you want to be helpful and you want to say, you know, can't that be a forced memory? I mean, that seems shaky, right? I mean, if I saw that, if I saw that, but I mean, if I was a juror and I sat there and I heard that I would dismiss her as a witness. I just wouldn't take anything she said seriously. That to me, that to me made, made her testimony. I'm sorry. Are you saying if you heard this woman's testimony, you wouldn't have the way. No, if I heard you cross, if I heard you cross examine her the way you did in that interview and she couldn't come up with the answers about the distance, the caliber of weapon, why she dismissed it, why she only came to the police with it a month later, once she already knew the story that they Mm -hmm. had put out there in the press, I would say, yeah, you know, let's just give her good motives. She was trying to be helpful, but now it's a forced memory and I just don't trust it. If it was that important, she would have said it right away. I, I would Yeah, I mean, you would that. hope that a jury would see that through that, an intelligent jury and would say, you know, this, she may have the best intentions, but she's not reliable. But that's the burden that is put on the defense. And if they didn't make it that clear that she wasn't a reliable witness. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a catch-22 sometimes because when you're doing that, you're trying to point out well, you're not sure, are you? Which is a question you never want to ask, by the way, <laughs> too. And because they eventually will say, yes, I'm certain. And when you, when you ask that and, and you force them to say, I remember it, I'm 100% sure, suddenly the jury is like, oh, well, I mean, if they're 100% sure, they seem confident, I'm confident. We've talked about this, right? If you right. can appear confident in your testimony, um, which somebody who's obviously been giving the statement over and over, who's been prepped right before testimony is going to appear confident a lot of times, even if uh, defense attorneys come in after them and they say, well, you don't think you really heard it. Oh, I heard it. I heard it. And I remember I heard it. And I, I don't know why it's not in my statement, but I remember what I heard. You'd be surprised. A juror could mm-hmm. look past that and say, hmm, who knows why it's not in the statement? Maybe somebody forgot to write it in the statement. Maybe she wasn't thinking at that moment, you know, and then she remembered later what time she heard it. It's just, it happens. Now, Chris, I mean, if you were the investigator on that case and you had a witness like this who comes to you a month later and says, wait a minute, now, now I do remember the day of, I, I did hear a gunshot. I didn't tell you before. I didn't think it was important, but now it seems important. I, how can you suss that out to see if it's worthwhile? So, yeah, you, as an investigator, you you need to thoroughly look into her statements. Uh, you know, on, on one hand, look, on one hand, you have this woman and yeah, her, her testimony may not be as credible as you would like. But, you know, so, yeah, you have to, to, to make sure that you sift through everything that she says and you have to ask her the questions of, well, why didn't you tell me this at first? You know, what happened? Was it something else that jogged your memory? You've got to understand the why's, you know, but in, in this instance, you know, I just think that, yes, her, her, te- her testimony was not the most damaging piece of evidence in this case. It just, <laughs> it just helped. Uh, it just helped. Yeah, the, we don't even know how much out. that played a role. But can right, I just uh, say in her, in her defense, um, because that's what I do, um, you also have to look at it. it. It's not that simple. And I think there is room for error here because she... We didn't know immediately. It's not like the next day they're like, hey, your, num- your neighbor died from a gunshot wound to the head. Um, and then she can automatically go, oh, my goodness, you know what? I heard a gunshot. That makes sense. So when she was first questioned by police, he was not located yet. He was simply missing. And so it, I don't know where they 
I mean, I do know where they live and there are gunshots that go off often. There's hunting in that area. Um, so if it was possible to hear this particular gun or if she just so happened to hear somebody hunting, it's very possible. It unfortunately worked again against Tracy, but um, it's very possible she heard a gunshot. I'm not saying she she had any uh, motive except to try to help, even though she did say she didn't like Tracy, she had an opinion about her. But isn't it possible that this becomes sort of a, a reconstructed memory because you know it's not uncommon when she's out there gardening to hear gunshots, and then a month later, when she knows the circumstances, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, yeah, I did hear a gunshot. But I mean, how, how much can we trust that? You just asked, isn't it possible? Look at you, defense attorney. Of course, yes. You get, that's possible. Um, I mean, the truth is, if it's not a big deal to hear gunshots and it could be attributed to anything, the likelihood is that, you know, she, she may not even remember hearing something on that particular day. I, I would I would even go as far as to th say, you know, all of her memories in, in a case like this, all of her memories are going to be reconstructed because remember that this guy had been missing for a few days before he was actually reported, if I'm correct. And uh, during the initial phases of this investigation, it's it's a missing person. So yeah, you go, you may go back well, out. She reported because his he had birds outside and uh, her, his birds weren't being taken it. care of. Right. So that's mm -hmm. how he ended up reported. She's like, wait a minute, he's outside every night, 6 p.m. feeding these birds. Um, and she went over there and the birds weren't being fed. This is one of those cases, and I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but as well-intentioned as the family was, they were one of these families that said, look this way, look at this stuff, but we're gonna try to keep this hidden. So. The victim, Doug Benton, is found, as we mentioned, in a horse trough encased in 800 pounds of cement. Now, it almost sounds laughable, but you guys had to find out on your own during the investigation that the morning that Doug Benton went missing, um, Tracy went and bought a horse trough and 800 pounds of cement, which sounds ridiculous. But when we found out about this, Chris tried to bring this up to Tracy and give her a chance, some chance, to try to explain it away. I purchased the galvanized trough for my horse. I wanted to pour a concrete pad for my dog pen. So I bought concrete. And when I got home and pulled up on my carport, the trough and concrete were gone. Who did you think took it? I thought it was somebody that was connected with the sheriff's department. So Chris, this brings us back to the uh, conspiracy theory talk. But I mean, I think this for you seemed to pretty much end any mystery about what might have happened in this case. It, it did. I mean, you know, that's like I said, I say it all the time. Too many it coincidences <laughs> are problems. Uh, you know, and and to to think that, you know, that these guys went in and and framed all of this in a manner to frame or uh, uh, put all of this together in order to to put this on Tracy it's it's uh it's a hard sale for me. Uh, as a matter, so I, I tried to stay as non-biased as I could throughout the entire investigation. But at some point or another, you have to just okay, look, this is getting ridiculous now. So, and and that's how I felt by the time after I, after we learned about the things that she had purchased. So, yeah, and, and she and, wasn't answering it in any way that was acceptable to you, right, as no, an investigator? Absolutely not. Her her um her 
her reasons behind it. No, no, you no, that no. And I don't mean to be flip about this, but she was a, she was law enforcement. So you would just think, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be flip, but I mean, you would just think you would plan a better murder if that was your intention. I mean, the way and the manner in which he was found, and I don't know if we talk about this a lot on the show, but it's really sad. And, and mm-hmm. it's, it's really gruesome. It's so sad if that was your child. I mean, they, the farmer found it on his property because it had such a bad smell and then when he went over to it and they ended up lifting it with the crane fluids came out of the bottom of it because he was at the bottom and it looked like what was it bugs and um animals had been trying to to get to it and Mm -hmm. because they smelled it i mean it, it was just so it was just really sad. It's, it's a tragic way for somebody. You're going to take someone's life and then you're going to think you can get rid of their body that way. When you guys had to tell the family, um, this to me was really moving. And last week in the podcast, when I said this episode makes me cry, it's the very end of it. Normally, you guys really are there to answer the question for the most part, is there a path forward? And so a lot of times you uh, you know, you're not necessarily making a judgment on the guilt of the person or the case, but just whether these leads can be any kind of a path towards, uh, towards overturning a conviction. In this case, and you guys seem to do this two or three times a season, there was no hedging like that. I mean, you flat out told them, look, she, she did kill Doug Benton. Chris, you, you said that. And there was a moment at the end where I don't know if you guys felt this too, where there was just kind of this flash of acceptance or understanding in Sharon's face, like she got it and she just broke down and it was, it was so heartbreaking. It's like the truth just kind of like slammed in and hit her. Is that, is that how you guys felt in that moment? Yeah. You know, I, I don't think, you know, and I, that's, I talked to Fatima and, and, and you, of course, Rob, about this It's there's no, when, when all of the evidence and their science and, 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 and everything points towards guilt, I don't think that we, we should hedge it. I mean, they brought us there for some, some help. They, they, want some, they want an independent look at these cases. So it, it, it was almost like telling you know, me doing my, uh, a death notification. We, we really need to, there's no easy way to say it, especially when everything points to their guilt, like it did in this case. So, yeah. And, and I, I think that there, there was a moment there during our conversation that she did feel the, the, okay, yeah, well, this, this is right. You know, did she accept it? I don't know, you know, but I, I think that, that we did have a moment with her. I, I don't know. I, I might disagree with this. Um, I think we did what we had to do. We did what they, they brought us there to do. And that was give answers. We gave a clear answer, which we normally never do it like that. But um, I felt this woman deserved honesty. But this is a situation where I have to say, I felt like that look of resignation. I don't know if it was more, um, you're, you know, I see it now. I think, to be honest, she's kind of always seen it, um, and and deep, deep down, she's always known the truth, but she just can't accept it because that means that she can't have her daughter home. So I think that face, to me, it felt like it was a look of, 
if you guys can't give me hope, nobody's going to be able to. You were my last you you were my last hope and you're give you're telling me this and not you're telling me she's guilty she did it then you know what maybe this is it like i'm never going to see my daughter you know home again anytime soon um and and that part was sad and as you've seen the episode we we kind of couldn't control it <laughs> i remember coming down afterwards when we were done and uh sharon and joy were leaving and uh fatima i just remember you you had tears running down your face i mean i, I think you I, grabbed I, me and hugged me and i just cried <laughs> i did and i mean Aww, and i say this and i say moment, this rob we did have a moment we're like fighting brothers and sisters or something <laughs> but i didn't actually get to speak to sharon uh a couple of days ago i hadn't talked to her since uh last summer when we were there and um, and she was very nice. She just didn't feel like she wanted to put herself through the whole thing of calling in for, to the podcast. But um, I did ask her whether this changed her mind about things. And she said, well, look, I just want my family whole again. And I'm looking towards the next parole hearing. And I'm just hoping that she'll be let go. And I'm keeping my faith. So, you know, she sounded resigned. When is she good up for and, parole? You know, Sharon was telling me that it was this June. But I, I don't think feel like that's, I mean, I don't mean to second guess her, but our, our research had shown that she had been denied last year. So I'm not 100% mm. sure about that. But there is an upcoming parole hearing. And, um, and that's really what she's just putting her hope in, which is probably a better and stronger hope, right, than thinking that at some point, this is going to be overturned. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. All right. Well, that does it for the Reasonable Doubt podcast. Next week, we got a pretty amazing case, um, even though we didn't enjoy our time in Oklahoma all that much. But um, this is a case of a woman who disappeared without a trace. Her body to this day has never been found. But there was someone who was convicted of the murder, and now his family says uh, he didn't do it. So that is coming up Tuesday night. Um, if you just got this podcast today, it dropped. It is tonight. 10 p.m. on Investigation Discovery. Please check it out. My name is Rob Rosen. I'm the executive producer and creator of Reasonable Doubt. And my name is Detective Chris Anderson. I'm a retired homicide investigator and the co-host of Reasonable Doubt. And I'm Fatima Silva, defense attorney and co-host of Reasonable Doubt. Everybody, have a safe week. Wash your hands, wear masks. What else are we supposed to tell people to do? Stay six feet away. Stay inside. Stay sane. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.